1: Man, December is already almost half over. What the heck? Slow down a little, man. Let's enjoy some fun festivities this week. Let's talk about Ford v. Ferrari. Let's talk a little more about The Mandalorian and some other TV shows we've been watching. Captain's reporting in on his new addiction, and I have to share a few amazing stories of how people are actually unleashing their superheroes, even in the midst of the holiday season. Let's rock it. Happy Friday. Welcome to The Real Brian Show. Thank you for listening, as always. Really appreciate you joining us. I am The Real Brian.
0: I am Captain Influence. Hello! Hello!
1: So, Captain, how are you today?
0: I'm awesome, and I was wondering, you mentioned in the intro that even in the midst of the holiday season, people are unleashing their superheroes. Isn't that when they should... Automatic like that like the one time of year they should unleash their superheroes.
1: Yes, and I feel like that's what people used to do, but in recent years, I don't know, the stress, the busyness, the insanity, yeah. rushing around, people just they don't unleash their superheroes. In fact, recent years it's like this is this is the time of year that brings like the worst out of people. It can, that.
0: yeah. But but your experience has been other than that, so I look forward Surprising. to
1: hearing. About it. Oh my gosh, I can't wait to share it. Good. Yeah. And speaking of that, man, can you believe it, though, that we're really, really close to Christmas already? What
0: was the last thing you and Charlie did before you went to bed Christmas Eve?
1: We shared a bowl of sugar, some shots of brown liquor, played with my shotguns, field dressed a cat, looked for women. That sounds like a great idea for Christmas Eve. What do you think?
0: <laughs> field dress a cat. Hmm. Doesn't that sound like fun? You know, it sounds like a high school experiment. Gone wrong. That went awry. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Best um, Christmas Eve ever, man, right there. Oh hey. Speaking of festivities and holiday fun, I, thanks to Sarah, by the way, was again. able to partake in a candied peppermint frozen hot chocolate yesterday. Ooh.
0: <sighs> did she make that in a Vitamix perchance? No, 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 no. That
1: would be really good. It would be, but this is actually from one of our local coffee shops that it's it's a frozen hot chocolate that they make from the chocolate milk from the local dairy. That is just, okay. it's the, it's the same dairy that does that eggnog that I talk about every year. That's like oh, the best yeah, eggnog yeah. ever. And yeah. yeah, they put a little bit of peppermint in it and oh my gosh, it was, it was spectacular, but no, I actually but, need to make my own like actual peppermint hot chocolate. since that is from scratch. That's right. And that'll get on it. That'll change your life. That'll put a little fat in your belly. That'll make you jiggle and uh, look like yeah. Santa Claus.
0: I need a little more fat in my belly because I've been working on the uh, fifth row of abs lately. Uh, I'm going really? for a 10 pack.
1: Dang, yeah. son, dude. Yeah. <laughs> on a true note, I've been working out a lot uh, and I, I had a really intense Pilates workout last week. Oh, good. And I felt every single muscle in my body. It was just like, oh my gosh, I, I really pushed it. It was really good and I was feeling good. And you know, my abs were actually a little sore, which that's unusual because abs, they recover quickly. But I was like, sure. oh my gosh, I, I can feel every six, you know, pack, even though two of them are still hiding. <laughs> I'm trying to work down the uh, the little excess there so that you can see the, uh, you know, the extra, the extra two, but you can see yeah. the top four now. I'm looking pretty we good. Should,
0: we should start putting out a, a, a TRBS calendar, like in each month would have a picture of one of our, you know, ab shots or something like that. <laughs> It'd be, a, it'd be a sexy TRBS calendar, oh, yeah, you know, yeah. or, uh, you know, you'd be the first month. I'd be the, we'd just enter, you know, switch back and forth and show off our six in your case, uh, 10 in my case. Yeah, in your case abs
1: and it'd be like the, the sexy cop calendars, you know, that the police yeah. do to raise money and all that. We could have like the right. sexy TRBS calendars and all it is, is just abs though. So like yeah, in yeah, December, it's a little bit bigger. And yeah. By by the summertime, it's like the perfect chiseled ab ever.
0: Yeah, with like oil and stuff. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we might sell one, no, two, uh, one uh, to each of our wives.
1: Yeah, well, that, well they won't buy them, though, so, so we won't sell those. We'll have to give those away.
0: Yeah, shoot. Uh, you're right.
1: We might be able to sell six. I've got a, a good feeling, man. <laughs> I've got a good feeling. Um, by the way, when we do our TRBS cruise, which is coming up sometime, Some uh, I'll be you know, definitely on the Lido deck signing eight by 10 glossies. I mean, it's, and then just let, you know, we'll do selfies with my abs. It'll be awesome. Great time. Totally. Come join us. Sounds like fun. Yeah. So how about you? What are you nerding out on right now?
0: Like I said last week, I got that Nintendo switch Lite for myself. Before Christmas. And? And it's wonderful. It's fantastic. I can only play it like an hour or two at a time. But while I'm playing it, it's very addictive.
1: So hold on, um, wait. Why only an hour or two? Just because of the size of the screen?
0: I don't know. No, just uh, not because of any physical limitation. I know when to put it down, basically. Oh, good. But, but so while I'm playing it, the time goes so fast. It's the biggest time eater I've ever seen. Yeah. More than any other gaming game situation I've ever been in. Interesting. Um
1: because yeah, of the it game, just all of a sudden,
0: boom, it's been two hours and oh I gotta wow. put this down. I it's, don't know. It's designed to be addictive and mm-hmm. it is. And I'm probably a little
1: over halfway through the game already. This is Link's so, Awakening, right?
0: Link's Awakening, yeah. Nice. It's not a very big it's not a huge game. No. After I finish that, I'm gonna I think I'm gonna grab the Zelda um Breath, Breath of, of the Wild. Wild. And so, I think that's going to be a major time sink.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's interesting because I, for what are you know me, I jump around from game to game. I got a good ways into Breath of the Wild and I need to go back and finish it. I like to take breaks. That's just me. I take a break from a game oh, and then yeah. I come back. We've talked about this before, but there's a couple ways to do it. You can just kind of go through the story. You mm-hmm. can, you know, do a little bit of the side stuff, but that game is so dynamic. I mean, you can explore everything in that game. You can fish, you can hunt, you can work on, creating food and cook. I mean, there's so many different things you can do. I found myself doing too much of that, that I lost track of the story and was like, oh, what's okay. going on? And then I was getting See? overwhelmed, right? I think that was the game that taught me to just, you don't have to do everything, Brian, just do what you want. It's a freaking game. Yeah. And the you ability, have fun with it. Yeah. And the fact that you have the ability to choose is very cool. The coolest thing
0: about the, the switch Lite is that I can play it while I'm working on my apps. So, oh.
1: Dude, yeah, you're going to have a 12. It's pack. helping
0: me. It's helping me get my 10 pack and yeah, maybe yeah. a 12 pack someday.
1: There you go. Everything in life worth living is through video games, right? You you can get a <laughs> 10 pack. You learn a lot. You know, it's so funny. We'll watch Jeopardy and I'll answer these questions. And and once in a while, Sarah's like, how do you know that? I'm like, video games and sci-fi. <laughs> that's <how laughs> really? I, that's how I learned it. It's so funny. Yeah, that is funny. Let's talk about these amazing things that I've seen lately. Oh my gosh.
0: Yeah. Un- unleashing people's superheroes.
1: Okay. So this is a big change for me and it's been relatively recently because you know my comments and I've mentioned this even on the show about for the longest time for example, I would hold the door open for people and the majority of the time these people would just kind of rush through the door never say a word. Right. You know, usually you say thank you for somebody that holds the door but they never say anything. They wouldn't even acknowledge me. Huh. Now also at the same time people in front of me who should hold the door open they wouldn't they just let it close right in my face and this was happening I mean this has been happening for a couple of years now very consistently the majority of the time and it just kind of uh, got to this like oh my gosh do people even know like your basic social respect the social contract yeah the contract that's what I was looking for I keep saying yeah. I keep thinking construct I like that too though but, yeah
0: it's it is a construct But yeah, go ahead.
1: it's it's basic <laughs> respect you know it's just what you do it's polite you know and I, yeah. I just got kind of almost, um, I wouldn't say s- quite cynical about it, but definitely starting to get a little frustrated about it. And within the last few weeks, all the, it's like almost a full flip. The majority of the time now, if I hold the door open, every single person is saying thank you, like, th- like genuinely thank you. Huh. And I'm going, wow. Okay. I wonder what changed. And then also, they're holding the door open. Even if I'm like 20 feet behind them, they're holding the door open. And I'm like having to catch up to them. And I'm thinking what is going on? <laughs>
0: what just See, my, my general experience all my life has been that the majority of people will hold the door open for you and the majority of people, for me at least, and the majority of people that I've held the door open for will say thank you. And when they don't, it doesn't stop me from wanting to keep doing it. I just do it instinctively. So sure. I hope people will emulate that because it doesn't really matter As long as you're following the social contract, I think that's the most important thing. That's all you can really do.
1: And I've never wanted to stop doing it either, but I would say within, you know, uh, three or so years, I've seen that that because I've seen that most of my life too, where people would hold the door open and they'd say thank you as well. Recent three to four years, people just stopped doing that. And then all of a sudden people are doing it again. So this is the other thing. We talked about this earlier in the show. Yes, people usually around this time of year, they get rushed, they get stressed, they're angry, they're overwhelmed and my goodness gracious you know usually people are rude they cut you off there's road rage you know there's just always that going on in december and i usually don't even like to go out much in december because of that (laughs) this year though it's been almost the opposite i've noticed that people seem to be a lot happier definitely more generous and even more respectful this year overall they're still your typical rushed angry stressed people but Yeah, it's been a lot better this season. I'm shocked. Now, granted, we're still, you know, a week and a half out from Christmas, but even then, a week and (laughs) a half, you know, I don't know. It's crazy. And here's the other thing. This is also surprising for me, is you know how there's a ton of the none of the political correctness that's going on. A lot of the whole, everybody's sensitive and offended. And there's Wait, a lot of it for
0: the last uh 20, let's see how many oh, it's years? been going on
1: for a lot longer Since than the
0: mid nineties, mid nineties.
1: Yeah. No, I'd say sixties, seventies, but really, Oh yeah. I, I, but, but here's the thing in the last couple of years, it's gotten significantly worse about, you know, everybody is a special snowflake and everybody's sensitive and everybody's offended. And, and granted, here's the thing that's society and culture and the media pushing that kind of stuff. So that's why we see a lot of it. I Mm -hmm. don't necessarily see a lot of it with just random people that I interact with necessarily like, but it's there. It's pervasive. It's in your face. You know, I've never been a fan of being politically correct or being sensitive or whatever, but I am on the other hand, 100% a huge proponent for valuing each and every person and respecting that person regardless, which I think is far more valuable and much more impactful than to tiptoe around and walk on eggshells. You know what I mean? Sure. So, and, and
0: the whole PC movement is just an overreaction yeah. to a basic human problem of yeah. of insensitivity. And it's it's like the political situation. I'm only going to mention this, you know, the, the two sides of, of, of America right now. They're just in this big slapping contest. Exactly. And Maybe I've mentioned that on the show before, but the whole PC thing is that it's just part of the slapping contest. That's all it is. Yep. Yeah. So, because people, it's an overreaction.
1: people were disrespectful and insensitive toward a certain group and that group thus felt hurt and slapped back, which makes right. sense. Like That's what we would all do, right? And that's our basic human reaction. And what I'm always trying to encourage people to do and empower people to do is instead of reacting, choose a healthy response. So when somebody slaps you, don't immediately slap them back. I mean, I guess unless they're threatening you or your family, that's a totally different story, but. You know, if they're just being stupid, it's like, okay, rise up, don't reverse bully them, you know, let's try to let's be an example of the way to be rather than pushing someone else down in order to get ahead. you know, and I've said that a yeah. hundred times on the show, and i'm I'm standing by that, and the more the people continue to push the agendas and the p c and the you know sensitivity and offense and all of everything like that, the more I just get frustrated. Yeah. But here's what I've noticed: I'm starting to hear and see a number of people now that are starting to push back a little bit and not in a way that's, let me slap you back. Let me, you know, continue the fight. They're actually pushing back and saying, stop. And what they are doing is that they're portraying respect and kindness rather than, okay, well you're offended. So now I'm offended. So now we're going to cram my belief down your belief. You know, you're cramming yours and I'm going to cram. My, you know what I mean? It's just this constant sure. like pissing match. And I'm Slabbing starting to see context, people. Yeah. yeah. People are now starting to stand up and say, stop. Let's do this the correct way. And I appreciate that. Once again, these are all examples of people who are unleashing their superheroes. So it's nice. Okay. And you know, and when we get into it in a minute, I'm, I'm gonna, we're going to be talking about a show we've been watching that is, oh my gosh, like they went over the top cramming their agenda. And I didn't expect that because <laughs> in the first half of the season, they didn't do that. But yeah, it's just like, oh my gosh. And I, I know people are getting tired of it, but again, this goes back to what you said. A group of people hurt disrespected and bullied another group of people. And that was their reaction. So I understand why they're cramming down the whole PC and the, you know, offense and everything else stuff. I get that, but it's still not the right response. It's not the way to do it. it.
0: And it's a little too much sometimes. Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because then there's the people like us that are like, I didn't bully you people. I never came after you and judged you or treated you like crap. So you don't need to, (laughs) treat me like that because I didn't, I wasn't one of those people, you know? Yeah. It's always the handful of
0: people that are the proverbial poop in the ice cream, Brian. It's always a few people on both sides. It's true that make life very interesting for the majority of us. Well, okay.
1: So here's a classic example. Look at like police. You're always going to have bad apples in a police force. You're always going to have bad apples, but you're going to have bad apples in every single job, industry, company, everything, right? There's always someone. Sure. So it's the bad apples in the police that go out and they do something that is very wrong, very much against what they stand for, and everybody now hates the cops.
0: Not true, but, but I no, understand you, where you're going with. I'm talking
1: not everybody in the world, but you know what I'm saying? Like the people that get hurt by that, we we hate every cop now. And well,
0: again, I, I think that's a little overgen- I I understand what you're saying. I think it's a bit overgeneralized that because of a handful of bad apples doing really re- reprehensible things, there is a lot of anti-cop sentiment going around.
1: I know very specific people, and I will not name names, that have right. been hurt by a couple bad apple cops, and they now hate every cop.
0: Oh, see, and that's just, that's slapping contest. That's
1: It is, but it's also a reaction yeah. because of the, the treatment that they received from these cops, which was very wrong.
0: Right. And they're but, thinking irrationally about all cops. People well, love to generalize and put a group of people in a box. We and talked about this before that and ex- that's what That's yeah. exactly my point. Right,
1: right. 100%. So, I'm using the cops as an example that you can't judge every cop for that. It's not those even close. one, two, three cops that did that. And we can't say that every cop is bad, for example. So that's what I'm trying to say is that it's the same kind of thing that if a people group was hurt and bullied and everything like that, that people group can't come back and say that, well, and I'm sensitive to this personally, but that all white men are the problem because I'm hearing that so much now. And sorry, I was born white and I'm a man and I can't do anything about that. But I'm not, I'm not the problem. I'm not the person hurting you. So don't judge me. Exactly. So that my whole point is, is that I'm so thankful that people are standing up and saying, hold on, let's look at a healthy response here. Let's target the bullies or let's rise above the bullies. Even let's not even target the bullies. Let's even go beyond that. Let's stop listening to the bullies and let's look at the majority of people who are actually saying, I value you. I respect you. That's the way it should be. I like it. So, so far, I'm seeing a lot of change in a very positive way, whether it be holiday attitudes, whether it be thank you for holding the door open or let me hold the door open for you or let's respect and value others. All I want to do is just say, well done, superheroes. Let's keep unleashing our superheroes and rocking it. Thank you. You guys rock. You got it. Let's get into the show Daybreak really quickly. I mentioned that I started watching it last week. -hmm. The premise of the show is that there's a biological. Yeah, Netflix. There's a biological nuclear weapon that goes off and it affects adults, but not kids or teenagers and kids. I liked the first half of the season for the most part, and there's 10 episodes. So, like the first four episodes specifically, I really liked. I think six and seven, I really liked. I liked episode nine. Episode five, not my style. Episode eight was awkward and the last episode surprisingly wasn't what I wanted, (laughs) Hmm. but yeah, I finally watched it. It's definitely very binge worthy. It's very engaging. It's well done. They really got creative. They did some really cool things with the show. The story is great. It's very compelling. There are on the other hand, a lot of political correct pushes in the show. Very annoying at times some things they do that just in my opinion goes over the top. Once again, it's like we're going to cram this down your throats and we're going to change your minds to agree with us type of thing rather than just letting (laughs) it be part of this. Yeah, or else just let it be part of the story. You don't need to push it and they pushed it and so now granted, thankfully, it was really only in two main episodes five and eight where they really pushed it and then it was just kind of sporadically throughout the show after that first four episodes. There was like none of that. It was just a good great show
0: fun and well-written yeah
1: Yeah. and then it just now let's throw in our agendas which is too bad
0: but in general did you think the show as a big lump of wax was worthwhile
1: yes but like I said the ending of it was so there's two ways to look at the ending and I'm not going to give away spoilers one way was the writers were jerks you guys suck and I hate your ending that's one way to look (laughs) at it The other way to look at it is, okay, thank you. You just, you know, took me on a ride and then kicked me out of the car, ripped my heart out and said, ha, gotcha. (laughs) In which case it's brilliant writing and it's great lead into season two if they have a season two. So you could look at it both ways. I personally took it the first way. (laughs) I hate you writers. (laughs) You suck. You try to like certain characters in the show. You might even relate or resonate with certain characters. Mm-hmm. There were a couple of characters in the show that I really liked. And by the end of the show, you know, like there were a couple characters that I absolutely do not like anymore. Even though I really, really liked them in the beginning part of the show. And I absolutely do not like them anymore. I really don't know what they were trying to get out, but it did not do anything positive for me. Okay. On the other hand, there were some other characters that I came to like more throughout the show. And one character, you know, you kind of like in the beginning. And you think, oh, this person's kind of cool. I'm going to see where this person goes. And by the end of the show, I really liked that character a lot. So I don't know. You know, I guess it just kind of depends on where you go. But some of you may love it all the way through and all the way to the end and think it was one of the greatest things ever. And some of you may agree with me.
0: I, I recommend it in general. I yeah. think, it's, yeah, I I think it's I think it's definitely binge-worthy. And I think I, I just recommend it. So, yeah.
1: What's interesting, this is just kind of a little side comment. And it's so weird because... I don't consider myself quote old. I really don't. I don't feel old. I don't act old. I I keep forgetting how old I like actually am sometimes like, wow, really? Like I I just feel young.
0: You don't, most of us can relate to that, but yeah,
1: go ahead. Some do, although I, you'll be surprised how many uh, friends of mine I'm like, Hey, happy birthday. How are you? Oh, I'm old and I'm tired. Yeah, I'm dying. I'm at one foot in the grave. And I'm like, what is wrong with you people perspective, Right. Yeah, hundred percent all perspective. I've never been somebody to say that. Oh my gosh, I'm so thankful. I'm not part of that generation. I've never said that. Like there's always (laughs) been a part of me that's just like, I love my generation. I love the next generation. They're all things. Every generation brings something beautiful, right? Because people used to complain about our generation when we were kids. So it's like, of course, you know, every generation brings something beautiful and every generation brings something that the other generations don't understand. That's just the way it is, Right. Yeah, yeah. But this shocked me. But again, stuff that they talked about in the show, some of the political correctness, they were using the term like he's woke. I'm sure some of you have heard that like he's woke. He's, uh, you know, he's on board with all of our new agendas and PC stuff and everything. I thought this was interesting. Like it's all about they were talking about like, oh, it's a nut free zone and look all these allergies. And I just thought, man, when I was a kid, I don't remember was, people no, having they this many allergies. They didn't. I remember that when I was in elementary or even middle school, it's like if a kid had an allergy, that person was a little bit of an outlier. It was kind of like, wow, you have allergies, huh? Like that's the sickly kid. And everybody else didn't have allergies. It was weird. I'm like, what? Yeah. What's going on? What's-? And I actually now, this might be something I have to nerd out on. Why? Why does everybody all of a sudden have allergies when we didn't 20, 30 years ago?
0: And the allergy thing's pretty pervasive right now. And there's got to be a reason for it. My so. theory
1: is it's our food. I truly believe that the food we're eating is it's not meant for our bodies. It's not meant to nourish us. It's not what we were intended to originally eat. And we're putting a lot of chemically induced stuff into our bodies. And I just think after a while, our bodies are, they're rejecting and our bodies are getting tired. On a genetic level. Yeah, Yeah. I, I firmly believe that I have no evidence, but that's my belief because that's the only thing that I can attribute it to across the board with every single person that I know So I would love to get some more research on this. And then the question is, is can our bodies heal? If we've done this to ourselves, you know, for however many years, can we change our lifestyle and heal? Mm. But we should get into that. I would love to nerd out on that one because I'd, I'd be curious because my gosh, what if we, and here's the thing, a big food company is not going to tell you the truth because they want to make money. Of course they do. Of course not. Yeah. Yeah. So, You've got that. You've got the nut free zone. You've got the whole like everybody's sensitive and there were a couple of episodes where they were just like that's offensive. No, that's offensive. No, that's offensive. And I'm like, oh my gosh, (laughs) the other thing like I I won't go into too many details, but they they were like the labels of certain things were the first thought that came to my head and I just thought, oh my gosh, I, I hope this doesn't make me sound old, but it it's not about an age thing. It's about like I'm just really thankful because I cannot imagine coming of age with all of these things that seems like kids have to deal with these days. I'm really glad that when I was coming of age, like we didn't have those things, you know, Right. Um, we didn't have to walk on eggshells all the time. And
0: I agree for the most part, Uh, all the new tech and gadgets that we have now seem great on the surface, like Tinder. Oh my gosh. For God's sake, if we had had that in in the nineties when I was in college, how awesome would that have been? But, Remembering I how I was as a teen and how a lot of other people are as, as teens, you know, they're not every, the majority of teenagers are a little, have, have an awkward streak, right? Yeah. Social media is brutal when you have an awkward streak. And so I That's think true. I might have had more than a little trouble with social media had it been a thing back in when I was growing up. So I'm really thankful that I didn't have to run that gauntlet, basically.
1: Mm-hmm. Social media really wasn't pervasive when we were in high school and even in college. It was coming. No, it wasn't there yet. Yeah, it was starting to come around, but you know, for me, I mean, social media has really hit its heyday within the last 10 years and you know, we've been adults since then just seeing what people do on social media as youth. I'm going to say youth, you know, because you could be in college or high school or middle school or whatever. The younger people, you know, the way they interact on social media, the stress and the anxiety that I know that many of them have. Mm -hmm. I just, you know, we did not have that much. You know the the worst thing that could happen was with the you know the small group of people that you physically interacted with. Worst case, you move and you never see those people again. But today, it's like you can't get away from anyone. They're everywhere. <laughs> They're all over. It
0: doesn't matter if That's you move. An interesting perspective. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> can't get away from these people. Oh my gosh, <laughs> Mandalorian. Brian and I are experiencing a bit of a Siskel and Ebert moment on this, <laughs> this episode five of Mandalorian and in not, not today's episode six. Uh, we haven't seen it yet. Just last week's episode five.
1: Not in a bad way. Um, we, yeah. No fight yeah, here.
0: And so just so interesting. yeah, yeah, exactly. Just an opposing, we each saw the episode a little bit differently. So you go I'll first. go first since I have the negative and then you can end with the positive. So there was an opening space fight scene right at the beginning that in the first few seconds, I was like, Oh, this is pretty good. Until a couple of really cheap CG effects that made me think this was the 1990s again. No, not the old school 70s targeting displays that they showed. That was cool. But there was an explosion, and then the Mandalorian ship kind of came through the explosion, and it looked really, really bad. It just looked like really cheap CG, basically. Hmm. So it's so that's how the episode started for me.
1: I actually kind of agreed with you a little bit on the, the space scene. I thought it was a cool space fight scene just because I like space fight scenes and we haven't really seen anything like that on the show yet. Right. I yeah. thought it was too short. Actually, I thought it was a little too easy because at one point it's like he gets him in the targeting and then shoots a laser. It was like two lasers and then boom, ship's gone. And I'm like, I don't think so. Right. <laughs> that's not unless you're shooting a proton torpedo and I don't, that's not what he shot. So I thought that that's- was like, eh. A little cheesy. Yeah, I would agree with you on that. It it was, it could have been better. We're both coming off of episode four, which was not our favorite.
0: Then there was a Tusken Raider scene. Now, those of you who know Star Wars lore, the Tusken Raiders were the sand people in the first, yeah, uh, in- <laughs>
1: Yeah, those guys. It's almost like a Wookie. That was terrible. That
0: they they, that they, they rode the banthas and uh, and all that. Anyway, they were in Episode Four, mm-hmm. and there was a scene with them that was actually pretty neat, where he was communicating with them with you know hand signals, and that was cool. The guy with him was like, hey, "How do you know what they're saying?" So that part was really that was okay. Yeah. Then there were there was a part with some speeder bikes, like in Return of the Jedi type mm-hmm. of speeder bikes. That was okay.
1: But the scene or the speeder bikes themselves.
0: The scenes. The, okay. the scenes with the speeder bikes were fine. There was nothing to them, though. There was, there was not much content. There was just no, there was no substance to those scenes. They were just True. decent cinematography. True. There was a lot more of the mediocre to bad acting that you found in episode four, which I was like, oh, God, come on, guys. Yeah. Uh, and, and I answered my question from the last episode. They really are using Baby Yoda's awe factor to try to carry these episodes, at least four and five the only purpose baby yoda has right now is just for people to go oh look at this baby yoda he's so cute that's the only reason it's there right now and
1: to buy the plush dolls
0: yeah and yep. they're failing miserably to give meaning to this character I agree. like they started like they started to do in episode 3 no episode 2 where they like they started to do with episode 2 where he they they showed that he was force sensitive mm-hmm. And he was, hey, it was powerful in the forest. That was really cool. And you're like, Oh wow. Why? Okay. This little baby Yoda thing is powerful in the forest. I wonder where that's going to go. Nowhere. It's gone nowhere yeah. since episode two.
1: I got to um, say on that though, that yeah. you are correct that in episodes one and two, so episode one was a cute factor, but I was intrigued about baby Yoda and, and then, they
0: barely showed him. It was at the very end.
1: Yeah. And then episode two, they developed his character a little bit and you saw some movement forward. And then I was really intrigued and for the past three episodes, and some of you are going to hate me for saying this, I'm over the cute factor. It was <laughs> it was cute in episodes one and two. It's fine. But Baby Yoda is now 100% useless for the past three episodes. Useless. And there is no point for him being in the show. If you look at it completely objectively, there's nothing at all. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The writers have failed miserably to... Further develop his that little baby Yoda character, and they could uh, have by they, now. Oh, totally, they could very easily have. So for me, episode four was a two out of ten. You know, as, as I mentioned last week, episode five was more like a four point five out of ten. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't abysmal, but it just wasn't. It just did not stand up to where, again, you know, you know me, where the where the franchise deserves for it to stand up to. And to be perfectly fair, where the first few episodes. We're leading the show. Mm-hmm. The t- last two episodes have been absolute writing fa- and acting failures compared to the first three episodes of the season of the series. So mm-hmm. and, and again, I, I thought that this episode was just another filler like the last episode. Yeah, uh, just not quite as bad as the last episode.
1: So I liked the episode. I don't know why I did. Uh, so last week it was written by John Favreau. So it said and it was directed by Bryce Dallas Howard, Ron Howard's daughter. And this one was written and directed by Dave Filoni, which I like Dave Filoni. He's, you know, responsible for like star Wars rebels and clone wars and stuff. Interestingly, it had Dave Filoni's flair. I think it actually showed and, and I like his flair because I liked rebels and stuff like that. I think most of the world agrees with you. In fact, most of the reviews that I've seen and heard is people would say that this, uh, this was definitely a filler episode. It really didn't have a whole lot of purpose to it. I think this one had story development and a little bit more character development far more than episode four did. And again, I agree with the whole baby Yoda factor. It's just, you got to do something with it because you're losing my interest. But I was so glad they went to Moss Eisley. That was really cool. I thought the speeder scene on Tatooine was really, really fun. It was awesome. Not, but you actually are correct. I didn't even think about this, but there was no substance nor purpose to it except to show you how awesome CGI has gotten. And that was fun. Like I felt like I was actually on the speeder bikes with them cruising over Tatooine. It felt cool. <laughs>
0: But, sure, which is ironic compared to the first scene in the episode. But go ahead.
1: The Tuscan Raider thing was interesting. I really thought it was cool that he that the Mando, you know, spoke Tuscan, and that was really neat. But it, it didn't go anywhere, and I was like, oh my gosh, they could have done so much more with the sand people in this episode that they they didn't.
0: Yeah. But It would have been a lot more funny. I'm sorry to interrupt, but they would yeah. have been a lot more funny in that season, in that in that sequence, instead of him doing all the hand gestures and speaking to them with with uh, with sign language, essentially. If he had started going, yeah, <laughs> and they're like, that would like, have been awesome. Yeah. sort of sounds wookie-ish, And I'm sorry, everybody, I did that just now. Uh, but, but you you get my you get my drift. It would have been yeah. hilarious if he had started talking. Tuscan to them (laughs) I agree but but the sense he didn't it was instead of being funny it was just a little classy so yeah Yeah.
1: I agree that it was still a filler episode there was really no purpose to the episode to further the storyline and and like we said it didn't further anything with Yoda it's almost like you know TV shows of the 80s and 90s where it's just another episodic episode that you know the only The only story is encapsulated within that one episode. And whatever happens next has really nothing to do with the previous one.
0: Yeah, and not much happened in these filler episodes. So, I mean, I'm really starting to think, everyone, that Star Wars is a cursed franchise. (laughs) (laughs) It's extremely hit or miss as far as uh, it's not very consistent in the quality, despite billions of dollars being thrown at it. And I know that's a little bit of a subjective thing to say. In fact, some of you are going, that's totally subjective, dude. No, to be honest, the Mandalorian is really starting to feel like Disney threw a 90-yard Hail Mary into the wrong end zone. <laughs> They're just like, oh, this is going to be awesome. <laughs> yes, he threw it. Oh, there's nobody in the other end zone because the other team, the team's all behind you, dude. You threw it the wrong direction. Uh, uh, maybe that's not the best analogy, but I'm almost speechless as to how they can continue to screw this up. From my At least from my opinion.
1: To go along with that, I don't think it's bad at all. I really don't. I don't think this is a okay. failure on Disney's part. But at the same time, I really, objectively, I think you are bringing up a really good point in that Disney took over. The resources, the money, the team that's part of this, you have the best of the best, really, at yeah, your disposal. Supposedly. Supposedly, yes. And you're right that we should be seeing something that is far better than it really is. Because yeah, of what they I'm have saying. at their disposal. But actually, okay, and and this is a discussion for another time, but maybe that's the problem. You know, when when something becomes so mainstream, you do tend to lose the charm that made it successful in the first place. You look at bands. You know, some bands will put out their best work as their first right. album, and then they they get signed, and they go mainstream, and everything starts to become cookie cutter, and they lose their, their uniqueness and their... They lose their passion too, right? So right. it's possible. I was thing with arrow. I've said this a hundred times, like arrows seasons one and two were genius and you know, they've come around and they're better than they were, but they lost some of that genius passion because of the mainstream and they got busy and they got spread thin and this is just normal. So it's very possible that star Wars is pumping so much out too quickly that they're just losing that passion and that charm and that uniqueness and that creativity that they used to have. It's possible. I don't know.
0: And the creativity is the biggest thing for me. It's, it's just inarguably uncreative writing period. There's, I mean, I, I cannot allow for another opinion in that regard. It's just, there's no, it's like saying the sky is pink when it's clearly blue. The writing is not up to par period. So I would agree
1: with that. I really actually would. What's going on? And people are loving these episodes and I think they're loving it because it's star Wars, but the truth is, is that you're right. It's, I mean, like we talked about daybreak and there's a lot that frustrated me about daybreak, but that was creative writing, especially in the first few episodes. Yeah, very much. So there's none of that in, in the Mandalorian, even going and watching Ford V Ferrari, which we got to talk about. That was so well done. The acting was spectacular. Every actor and actress in that movie did a spectacular job. It was so well done. And I can say that I'm not the Mandalorian, you know, cause I'm watching it at the same time. The quality of the Mandalorian was nothing like Ford v Ferrari.
0: Yeah. That's a totally, it's, you'd think it's apples to oranges comparison, but really when you're looking at it just from a writing and, and acting and compositional standpoint, it's not really, I mean, you, you are comparing similar things. Yeah. You have to as far as when you, when you get close to it. So I agree. Yeah.
1: yeah I mean, granted I like um, Pedro Pascal. I think he's doing a great job as the Mandalorian. I really do.
0: If, if that's who's really underneath that suit, sure, whatever. I, I, well, sure. It's, I it's, think it's it almost it's almost a slight to the actor. He was so fantastic in Game of Thrones. Everyone who's seen that, Pedro Pascal was amazing in that show for what little he was in it. He's always masked in this show. I mean, you yeah. you can't. He doesn't have a chance to really show his acting chops. Yeah, but I think that he's doing help. a good
1: job. I feel like he's he's oh, the typical sure. Mandalorian. He's doing great. But you know, I thought the guy that played um, Django because I can never pronounce his name. Tamura, I think, is what it is. But anyway, the guy that played Django, I thought, did a fantastic job. Yeah, and I think Pedro does a decent job as a as a typical Django Fett type Mandalorian or Boba. I mean, you know that that same same yeah. kind of style, not really his own yet. I I don't. You know what? I don't feel like the Mando has found his personality quite yet we'll get there but yeah if you were to take acting cinematography art direction you know direction in general writing creativity etc granted of course ford v ferrari is based on a true story of history but even then it's like you've got the way that that movie was told and the acting i mean i'm just blown away how good the acting was in that movie Mm -hmm. we've seen some poor poor acting especially in the last two episodes of the mandalorian and there's no reason for that, especially when you've no, got something. There so there's just Yeah, there, there's not a short supply. I mean, there's there's plenty of actors out there that have chops, even if they're not well known. I mean, Ford v. Ferrari. Oh, my gosh. I yeah, loved let's, it. let's
0: move into a much more positive review. And yeah. this is going to be a lot shorter, too, because we have nothing bad to say about this movie. Yeah, um, I
1: think it's good, though, that we're comparing this because I really want to like The Mandalorian. I still think The Mandalorian oh, yeah. is good. I don't think it's bad, but I don't think it's where it could be. But man, you look at Ford v Ferrari and everybody was telling me it's really well done. Go see it. It's a great movie. Finally got to go see it. Both of us did. Mm-hmm. And I got to tell you, though, first we get in there and, you know, movies are usually typically full sound. You know, they're not loud, but they're they're loud in the sense of their full sound. But I get in there and of course, you know, the first first scene, they're like revving the car and it was deafening. I mean it Uh was it was pain painful so loud and I'm like oh my gosh what's going on and I I looked over and everybody's kind of like holding their ears and even when they would talk quietly it was like vibrating your ear your eardrums out of control so I go and I tell the people and I'm like guys this is this is the worst volume I've ever heard and they said oh "Oh, we've been having problems with that theater all day and it's like you turn it down and then it like turns itself back up and
0: oh, so they
1: finally fixed it but after about 20 to 20 to 30 minutes. I was literally had my fingers in my ears because it was so bad. And they finally turned it down, fixed it, and then it was enjoyable. But for the first 20 or 30 minutes, I don't even really remember what happened because I was in (laughs) so much pain, which was disappointing because the movie itself was just awesome. I loved it. It was so well done. I I mentioned the acting was so good. I was just absolutely impressed with it. Christian Bale, oh my gosh, was he good in this movie?
0: Dude's a genius. Oh my
1: gosh. Like, I fully believe he should win the Oscar for best actor. He should win it. <laughs> it was awesome. Now, granted, it's a story based on history, it's a, based on a true story, but I thought it was a great story, a great recreation of what happened. I also thought it was a great mix of story, history, tension, racing, emotion. Like, I think a lot of people are thinking, oh, it's just a movie about racing. No, it's not. There's no. a lot more to it. So, even if you're not a racing person, uh, dude, you got to go see it. It was so good. I also thought what was interesting is that they distinguished a little bit between, you know, of course Henry Ford and his grandson Henry Ford II who was the Ford in this movie and how he kind of wasn't the visionary and the amazing man that you know, Henry Ford, the original founder of Ford was uh, or so it portrayed anyway, but I thought that was very interesting because you know, you hear so many things about the original Henry Ford and how amazing this guy was and uh, and then you kind of you saw this in the movie and you're just like this is a far cry from you know, what people have portrayed with Ford anyway. So that was interesting to me. Yeah. The other thing that I thought was great was uh, the building of the GT 40 and then, you know, getting it to the point to be able to compete with the Ferrari. That was such a fascinating sequence throughout the movie that they did and how they kind of worked on it together and did all the tests and.
0: Yeah. They had a lot of it. good montages in that movie and so not good. like your typical 80s skiing montage, but <laughs> like actually really well composed montages. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah.
1: Really, really good stuff. So highly recommended. Uh, I would say it's 100% recommended from, from me anyway. So what'd you think?
0: I loved it. I thought it was the best racing movie since Days of Thunder. Those of you who don't remember, that was an old Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman movie about NASCAR. Yes, that was cool. Shut up. <laughs> My my movie buddy, quote-unquote, my mother-in-law, who went to see it with me, she loved it also. She's like 70-something. Uh, she was sitting on the front edge of her seat for half the film with her with her head in her hands, just with her eyes wide open watching. Mm, <laughs> it nice. was really cute. Um, uh, I thought that Bale and Damon were at the top of their game, honestly, like you said, and they seemed to have good chemistry. I, but I do wonder how they got along on set. Because Christian Bale has at least... Allegedly, been known to be a bit of a prima donna, and I don't know if I don't. I'd never got that impression from Matt Damon, so I wonder if there was any kind of friction between them. But in the movie, it does not show up at all. If there was, so I well, I hope they got along great. There was definitely good chemistry there on screen. So the racing cinematography was probably some of the best I've ever seen. Yeah. Now I haven't seen any of the Fast and Furious movies, but this is a different genre of racing film. This is more of a historical drama, Mm -hmm. and uh, it was just really well done. I'm not a car guy, Brian, at all. I could care less about cars Mm -hmm. at all, but I recommend this movie to anybody, regardless of whether you're a car person or not, uh, if only as a good, fun, underdog story at the very least. Nice. Just for you, Brian, I want to throw in something about the score. Yeah, <laughs> the musical score I thought it was period appropriate but it felt kind of unremarkable to me I didn't think it added or detracted from the film at all so what did you think about that
1: you know it's funny because I I don't remember it so okay. it, it definitely See, would have been unremarkable <laughs> but um, I, I felt like watching the movie it, it certainly didn't annoy me or anything it was just right in order to keep you engaged but it wasn't the star of the show and it certainly didn't annoy or detract from the show like you said but yeah I can't even right. think of it now so you're right it it wasn't yeah. remarkable interesting
0: anyway yeah really good movie I'm glad we saw it
1: yeah Crisis on Infinite Earths this is the the five episode big crossover between Arrow Flash Batwoman Supergirl Legends of Tomorrow I've not watched these there's one main reason I've decided to not catch up on Arrow and Flash with this current season because Well, everything ended this week, actually, and doesn't come back until January 14th. I don't want a one month cliffhanger. I'm going to wait until right after Christmas. I'm going to catch up. I'm sorry I don't have anything to say, but I'm very curious to hear what any of you think of the first three episodes of Crisis. What do you think? What theories do you have? Go ahead and send them in. We'll definitely share them on the show, too. I'll talk about it in January for sure. This is so funny how Christmas movies, you know, you think of Christmas movies and you've got some classics, you know, back like Miracle on 34th Street. It's a wonderful life. And then you've got Home Alone and Christmas Vacation, The Santa Claus, so many good quality Christmas movies that have been made over the years. And then the last few years, it's just been like whatever Netflix can push out. (laughs) it's pretty much all there is right and and they're hit or miss like last year Christmas Chronicles with Kurt Russell was 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 good you know it wasn't Uh a classic but it was good it wasn't bad and then you've got these like super cheeseball Christmas movies that are out on Netflix that you're just like what the heck like this is worse than Hallmark (laughs) come on but there are some charming ones I will say that many of them are happy which I like watching a couple of them for fun so I think we should talk about a couple of them next week in case some of you are looking for just some something to watch that's christmas and that's new so send in send in what you're watching and what you think and and we'll do the same thing
0: next week it feels like most of the good like truly classic what everyone considers good classic even the newer generations christmas movies were from before the 2000 basically
1: 2004 was the last year that i saw that great christmas movies were being made they've had some since then but they haven't been as good
0: yeah. It's like there's been a dearth of good Christmas movies in the last 20 years. So that's yeah. weird
1: Two thousand, Well, I guess 2003 was when I think that's when elf came out and then, you know, like Santa Claus three came out in 2006. Ask me how I know these things. Um, <laughs> 2009 was the the animated Christmas Carol with Jim Carrey, which actually was pretty good. And then they, of course they did the Grinch and the Nutcracker in the four realms last year and the Nutcracker in the four realms. I liked, I, I would recommend that as just a fun movie to watch the new Grinch, I still haven't seen yet. We're going to watch that here soon. And I'll, I'll report in on that one. There has been an absence of quality Christmas movies since like the early two thousands, which just is shocking to me because they yeah, were just getting like, made. It was great stuff. Laziness. Yeah. Or or maybe they weren't <laughs> selling. Maybe, I don't know who yeah, knows, that's you know, true. And, but all the Netflix stuff, it's like, you know, you've got a uh, Vanessa Hudge, Hudgens, H-Hud, what's her last name? Vanessa. I don't know. Hudgens. She's like in all of the new. <laughs> seems like all the she does at least one or so a year. You know, all these cheesy Christmas movies. And the, le- the latest one is like the Night, K N I G H T.
0: Oh, I've Before seen Before Christmas,
1: it. did you watch seen it, it? On Netflix. No, oh. of course not. It's interesting because it you know it looks like it's time travel. I'm like, cool. I want to watch it. Although I heard it was cheesy, but who cares? I'll watch it. <laughs> there's like the Christmas Break In. There's Let It Snow. There's uh, oh gosh, I'm I'm spacing a couple of the other ones, but those are some of the new ones out this year. Give us your thoughts. Let us know what you've watched. Sounds like a plan. I'm ready to get deep, man.
0: Deep Thoughts with Captain Influence. When I'm bored around Christmas time, I sometimes ponder what it would be like if Santa's sleigh were pulled by eight cats instead of reindeer. If they were anything like my cat, that sleigh wouldn't go anywhere. Period
1: well what does go somewhere is the show it's yeah you know what the music means yeah (laughs) is it that time already it really is yeah all right well please please go to com slash 190 already oh my gosh for show notes and everything else and as always really love to hear from you please share the show with someone if you love the show that is a christmas gift right there share the show captain influence thank you and thank you all for listening the Real Brian Show. Sign it up. The Real Brian Show is a production of 514 Media at 514mediaempire.com.